0: now from the gospel according to John. When was evening on that day, the first day of the week, in the doors of the house where the disciples met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Thanks be to God. Even after the resurrection, the Gospels make it clear. Jesus was a man. We expect Jesus' divinity to be on display, especially after the resurrection. He has conquered death, risen from the grave. His supernatural abilities should be front and center. We look for a perfected Jesus, floating just off the ground glowing brilliantly, smiling like Joel Osteen. What we get is this strange coming together of of divinity and humanity. It's the incarnation continued. Jesus will pop in somewhere and the disciples are afraid because they think he's a ghost, perhaps an angry ghost. He'll then prove his humanity by eating fish. Or by preparing fish for them to eat. Or in today's reading, by showing his scars. As evidence of his humanity, Jesus shows his hand and his side. The very things that Thomas demanded to see for him to believe that it is his Lord and his God. I wonder what to make of that. Those scars confuse my expectation of what a resurrected body would be like. I used to picture this flawless jesus Uh, jesus without the wounds of his passion the scars from his suffering and death maybe i've seen too many movies of the superhero who absorbs the blow and then quickly heals from it only to be stronger and angrier than before i guess that's what i thought the resurrected jesus would be like well without the angry part But that's because I know the story. The disciples lived the story in real time. Once they had the idea that the resurrection might indeed be true, they may well have expected an angry Jesus. Things didn't go so well the last time they were together. They had betrayed him, denied him, abandoned him. We know from the gospel that the disciples locked the door for fear of the Jewish authorities. They wanted to keep them out. Maybe they also wanted to keep Jesus out. Given their last moments with him, fear made sense. The disciples looked up and saw their Lord, and they were instantly reminded of what he had been through. The wounds were obvious. You could see them touch them. The resurrection did not erase his past. His body was not flawless. It would serve as a constant visual reminder of what he had endured. His scars would keep before the disciples their part in his passion. They would also remind them of his incredible mercy. It was Jesus' mercy that kept the I-told-you-sos at bay. I told you you'd abandon me. I told you what they'd do to me. I told you I'd be back. Jesus was human. Those words welled up inside him. When we're hurt, especially when our heart has been hurt, It's easy for us to lash out. The other has not been careful with us, so we feel free to be careless with the other. You hurt me. Here's how it feels. The disciples must have been bracing for that. Jesus burst through the locked door, and as they braced for him to point out their failure and to bewail his own suffering for him to start the I told you so's, He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you, Jesus said. He forgave without even being asked. He left whatever anger and disappointment and frustration and resentment and lesson behind. And he offered his peace. Jesus understood the prayer that he had prayed on the cross. He, as he had asked of the Father, forgave because the disciples, the authorities, everyone involved in his crucifixion knew not what they were doing. Forgiveness is a hallmark of the Christian faith. A requirement, even. And it is one of the most difficult practices we have as Christians. We're constantly walking the line between praying to be forgiven, praying to forgive, and yet always carrying around these scars that have been inflicted on us. We're caught trying to figure out how to forgive those who have wounded us without putting ourselves in a position to be wounded again. I'm not sure how to draw that line. Some people are in situations such that to forgive without making himself or herself vulnerable to future wounds means not being around his or her offender. Hear that. Some of you need to avoid your offenders. The rest of us, though, we, we need to recognize that we cannot avoid all wounds. The only way to avoid being wounded by another person To never be around another person. And that leads to all kinds of other hurts. So what do we do? Let's start with correcting a fallacy. Forgetting is not a requirement of forgiving. It is not always forgive and forget. Jesus could not have forgotten the betrayals, the abandonment, the cross? Should those have slipped his mind even for a moment, he need only look at his hands or feel his side to have a surge of memories come back over him. And then let's acknowledge one more truth. Jesus was human, but also divine. We are not. That does not absolve us of the command that we are to forgive. But it does help us forgive ourselves of our own struggle to forgive. None of us, days after our crucifixion, will be ready to offer peace to our betrayers. But then most of us aren't offended in such horrible ways. Start there. Take the slightest offenses let them go. It's time for me to let go of that day in 8th grade when my friend John made others laugh at my expense. 8th grade. Time to let it go, Will. (laughs) But you don't understand. It really made me let it go. Or more recently when one of you said that thing that made me lump you into a category and And I've left you there, even though you said many other things that had nothing to do with that category, that were much better than that category, and yet, let it go. I need to let you be who you are, not who I've put you as. It's time for me to move on, to let you move on, to give us a fresh start. If I'm bold enough to pray, forgive my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And I need to be faithful enough to give a clean start to those who affronted me in minor ways. It does me no good. It does the body of Christ no good to carry those around. Maybe if we start there, if we start letting those things go, we'll get a little closer to offering forgiveness for the bigger offenses, the deeper wounds. People marveled for good reason when the Amish community forgave the man who murdered their school children some years ago. It was amazing because forgiveness was one of the first words they spoke about the incident. Some decried their forgiveness as unforgivable, ridiculous, ridiculous. It was too soon. It was unjust. Others simply wondered, how? I have no doubt that their humanity broiled within them. And that their words of forgiveness were among the hardest words that they would ever speak. I also believe that their faith had taught them that forgiveness is part of following Jesus. Something they had learned long before they had to forgive that horrible event. They, they had learned to forgive everyday offenses. They had practiced forgiving everyday offenses as a way of preparing for that moment when they would have to forgive the most difficult thing they could imagine. Those days were not the first time they forgave. Start forgiving smaller Offenses. Now, it's practice for the larger ones that may come. Some of you have already experienced larger, much more horrific offenses. You have big scars. And you may need to show them to the offender, to a counselor. Those scars won't go away. But it may be in the showing, it may be in the naming of them, that you inch a bit closer to forgiving as you have been forgiven. As we have been forgiven. The starting point for any forgiveness is the recognition that I need to be forgiven. None of us is without sin. And the one that we have offended most is the one who comes in among us scars on his hand and mercy on his lips and says peace be with you peace be with you he shows both his scars and his grace thanks be to God